Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. My name is Nkechi Waffle Robinson, and I am founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, an experienced technology executive of one of Canada's largest financial institutions, an author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and a viral sensation as my You Matter speech has hit over 6.5 million views worldwide. This show is all about thriving. And I will be bringing on some amazing humans that own their thrive to help you figure out how you too can own yours. So please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on and make sure to join along on the web at empoweredmyskin.com so you can be notified when new episodes are available. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. Woohoo! Back for another episode of the Empowered in My Skin podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest who's also known as the Bow Tie Guy. He is the president of the Way of Life Group and the host of the podcast Business with Benefit, which I've been on actually. He is a participating member at Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the district coordinator at Alfec in insurance company. He lives to empower organizations to attract talent and keep sane. He specializes in healthcare reforms, benefit enrolling, and public speaking to mention but a few. He's happily married with three kids and the fourth on the way. He is unapologetically passionate about how people protect their income, legacy, and future. I am so excited to say, put your ears together for the amazing Daryl Perry, number two. Oh, yes, the second. Whoa. <laughs> I love that energy in that intro, especially you I, put your ears together. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, we're listening to a podcast, you know. Yep. <laughs> so tell us, get us started. Tell us about the person, the brand, the human that is Daryl Perry. So I guess we'll go forward to backwards. So I've been in the insurance industry for about seven years now. And um, started out doing that just because I, I have a degree in accounting and mathematics, but anybody out there that is an accountant knows you don't make a lot of money unless you've done it for a long time. And I was one of those people that took a while in school because I worked the same time. So I got to a certain age where I said, I can't take a pay cut and go backwards just to use this piece of paper. So I decided to try my entrepreneurial spirit out and go into the insurance industry. It's been seven years now. And I uh, lead a team of agents and bilingual, I speak Spanish as well. So helping at the Spanish and English market with insurance and benefits all across Georgia and other states as well. And um, that all started after, you know, moving all over the place as a military brat, born in Germany. I don't speak any German. <laughs> First question I get all the time, but born in Germany as a military brat, but I'm fluent in Spanish. So that's a whole other story. But um, it's just been a journey of helping people because I realized with my family, I didn't know insurance stuff because I was a military kid. So anybody out there military know your dad has you covered, your mom has you covered till you're 21 or 26, depending on the situation. So when I was 21, I had not looked at insurance at all for 21 years and then got my first job and was like, how do I pick benefits? What's the deductible? What's co-insurance? All these words I didn't know. So doing that in a corporate setting for a while and a retail setting for a while, when I got my chance to run my insurance business, I said, aha, this is stuff people don't know that I didn't know just the same a while ago. So let me teach people and help them to understand what they're doing because insurance is a big decision. 
just like it is for buying a home or buying a car. Insurance is a high thing on a list of priorities that people don't know what to do. So mm-hmm. I spend my time figuring out fun ways to make it understandable and engaging. Wow, fun ways to make insurance understandable and engaging. I, I actually think I might hook you up for, for <laughs> a lesson here. And so just for my, do you, do you focus on life insurance? Is it home insurance, auto insurance? Is it, oh, good question. Yeah. yeah. Anything people related. So I don't insure stuff, I insure people. Okay, so I like that. Health, yeah. life, disability, anything for a yeah. person. If it's for your dog, your cat, your house, I don't do that. Yeah. Um, I do have referral partners that I trust and can say, hey, so-and-so's good. Because that's a challenge with finding an insurance agent that's reputable and you can trust. Mm-hmm. So um, people do ask me on LinkedIn quite frequently, do you have workers' compensation? Do you have general liability? And I usually just say yes to introduce them to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get compensation for it, but I want to put them with the right person that will take mm-hmm. care of them. So anything for people, that's my game. And I love that because I think people are the most essential, you know, commodity, actually. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this definitely. is why I talk about projecting your income so much because, mm-hmm. you know, in, in most places, you think health insurance is your most vital thing, which is true. But I kind of take it a level deeper and think about, well, how do you pay for the health insurance? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have a paycheck, and depending on where you live in the world, in the U.S., your employer may have health insurance for you, may not. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you need income to pay for it no matter how you get the health insurance. Mm-hmm. So I kind of challenge people to say, it's great you have health insurance, but who does that pay? Mm-hmm. That pays your doctor. That doesn't pay your mortgage, your mm-hmm. light bill, your groceries, it pays your doctor. Mm-hmm. So if you get in a bad car accident, you cannot call your health insurance company and say, pay my light bill. That's mm-hmm. not a thing. Yeah. And you also can't call the insurance company that is covering you for the doctor business and say, hey, I'm in the hospital for a month, pay the bill too. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we're going to pay the doctor, but you still got to pay us to pay the doctor. Right. So there's this loop that people don't understand that most bankruptcies come from medical issues. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, at least in the U.S., 60% of those people have health insurance or make that actually 70%. Um, it goes up and down every year, but it's usually 60, 70% of the people that go bankrupt for medical issues do have health insurance. Mm-hmm. When you kind of understand that, that's why I focus on the income space more just because it's so vital for people. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny because what I love about it and even just what I'm gaining from where your passion is, is, and this show, this podcast is all about helping humans be empowered. Mm-hmm. And I think there's um, a real sense of, empowerment to come from one understanding your finances but even i just personally decided to take a you know just read almost read the fine print yep like to really ask my insurer like and to make sure my husband and i are well covered yep it's such an empowering position to be in when you just you understand and and you can actually then make informed decisions about whether or not you can increase or even maybe at times even decrease if you think you're contributing too much oh absolutely i mean when i think about empowerment in that way i think about um uh, probably 10 years ago, my uh, my aunt was struggling with cancer. And at the time, she had to choose between paying for chemo or paying for her children to get fed because mm-hmm. her health insurance covers something, but some chemo is not covered by health insurance. So she was literally choosing chemo or the kids. And when you mentioned empowerment, had she had the knowledge to know, you know, there's coverage that pays you for getting cancer. Like I didn't realize that back at that time because I wasn't in the insurance industry 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But learning later, like, wait, there's coverage that pays you for cancer. That's empowering because you can actually go into a surgery or to a facility knowing that I know my health insurance covers a part of it, but then this will cover the rest so I can keep my home and make mm-hmm. good choices that are good for my family, mm-hmm. not just good for my bank account, because she had to choose which one's more important. And mm-hmm. any mother for the most part would choose my kids. Mm-hmm. And she chose that and she passed away six months later, mm-hmm. but had she had known 
black people especially is one thing I focus on a lot. We don't get taught these things. So we don't get to make the same decisions as our other racist counterparts because we don't know what's out there. So we can't effectively go into the workplace or talk to a financial planner or talk to an insurance person and know what we're talking about. We just say, hey, what do you have? And that puts you in the weaker position of just whatever you say, boss, that's what I'm gonna do. And I'd like you to know what you're doing so you can actually challenge me and say, hey, what if I change this? What if I change that? So I'm very slower sometimes in my mm -hmm. consulting just because this is what this means, just so you know. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't get taught that as a you know young man. So I appreciate somebody does that with me. Like, if you're going to sell me something, tell me what it is. Mm -hmm. And that way I know if I keep it, I'm keeping it for good reason. And if I want to change it, I know why I'm changing it. Right. And so one, okay, so one, I find you extremely, this is the second time we're having like more of a personal dialogue. The first time was on your, on your podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would say you're known as the guy with the bow tie. Uh -huh. <laughs> so that might be one of your, I, I am the guy with the bow tie. My, one of my great I am's is I am God's gift, which is the meaning of my name, or I am energy, which is just something that just transcends from within me. What mm -hmm. is your, what is your great I am? Um, I'm a really good rapper. Oh, that's what okay. I am. I am, I am a, I am, I will, I'll be better rapper than any insurance agent you put me against probably. Um, <laughs> and that, no, that's, that was a big part of my, my childhood. Um, I, I started when I was 10, I found out, I thought it was 12 when I was 10. I was very into hip hop music and, um, my mom, rest her soul, she helped me kind of get into getting music equipment and producing and all that is all through probably mid years in college. And um, I had a stint where I was gonna go for real with it. I had a, a brief battle with 50 Cent where I had a, a, a song I put on the internet that got the attention of his label. So um, I had a little you know, online beef going with him. So I'm a really good rapper. That's something I'm proud of and I'm passionate about. If you see me in my car, I'm probably rapping to something or uh, my own music I'm listening to. So that's something that's a big part of me. Oh, cool. I might have to have you wrap us out. I'm going to love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to add a little bit of a segment to your episode. So we're in COVID-19. And uh, just for the listeners, uh, I am situated in Canada. Daryl is in the U.S. Where exactly? Georgia. Georgia. And so how I know that we have, we've ta we talked about a bit about this in the B-roll of this right. interview. Uh, so how, but more so about you, how have you had to adjust? What have you uncovered about Daryl um, through this, you know, this pandemic period? Well, when it first happened, um, I was very much in the realm of the flu kills more people. And it was actually a daily thing with my wife and I, we would look at the I looked at the CDC site, which mm -hmm. the CDC used to be a more powerful thing than it is now, but I would look at how many people have actually passed away from the flu. So when this first came out, I think the flu was 70,000 people or something was the normal amount. So when it first came out, I was like, well, we're at 10,000, that's not that bad. But I didn't factor in the flu is the entire year, it's a flu season. So this is March, it's like 10,000, whatever the number was. <clears throat> so as it progressed, the big thing for me is mortality rate. I kept looking at, well, the mortality rate is like 2%, that doesn't seem that bad. And again, this is my naivete with what I see from the media and what I haven't read yet. And then somewhere along the way, I think I was watching Rachel Maddow or something, and she mentioned there was a, a guy that came on and said, you know, you can be asymptomatic and pass this on to somebody else, and they can unfortunately pass away. So you would be partly the cause of that happening unbeknownst to you. And that hit me like, wait a minute, you can have it and not know you have it? Because the media hadn't talked about that. I mean, our, you know, the, the guy that's in the White House right now didn't know that. A lot of leaders, my leader in Georgia, he was doing a press conference. He didn't know that. Um, so the fact that I had the research and I was like, wait a minute, this thing's worse than I thought it was. And it's five times more, uh, it's five more transmissible 
than the flu. So it's way more uh, spreadable. And at that point, I changed my mindset. So I started wearing a mask mm-hmm. at that point, started staying away from things. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen my physical real office since March 21st or so. Mm-hmm. And um, so I changed my business totally. It's all online now, all from home, mm-hmm. which has been different but fun. But it's also been my evolution in reading more about medicine more. I've always been a person that reads the labels for medicine. But far as the way the media handles this, there's some good places, some bad places. So I've become more of a steward of information because like my wife and I don't vaccinate just because we read mm-hmm. all the different negative side effects. So we've already been that space for vaccinations. Mm-hmm. But far as for spreadable diseases and all that and contagens, that's new to me. So I didn't want to sound like I was an epidemiologist from five minutes ago. I wanted to actually read and know like, well, hold on, before you say masks don't work, have you read any clinical studies? Have you read this? So I'm the geeky guy that will go research. As soon as somebody says it's not true, I'll go dig and say, well, hold on, let me see if that's really real. Just because we're in the age of world that misinformation can hurt a lot of people. Yeah. And um, I've become way more passionate about reading medical stuff than I ever have in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to ask you, the bow tie guy, where did that come from? Where, where did that <laughs> brand come from? Total accident. I wish I could say I had a think tank and a marketing person <laughs> help me. Total accident. So um, I moved from Las Vegas, Nevada to Georgia in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was I told you I was to get a job with accounting and nothing was panning out. So insurance mm-hmm. came to me and I said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. Now, granted, the only people I know in Georgia were my 70 year old grandmother in law, uh, my wife's family like five people or so. So I didn't have like a big network in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I cold called everything. So I had to build a book of business from cold calling people. So I would call people and meet them at a Starbucks or something or at a Panera Bread or whatever to have a conversation about benefits and insurance. And there was always this part about, well, how will I know who you are? Because I haven't seen you before. This has been on the phone. I haven't seen you at all. So my hanging up the phone, probably a month before I got started in insurance, my wife said, hey, you can make bow ties out of neckties. I was like, really? Like, so this is a necktie. This is not a bow tie. I'm, I am horrible at tying necktie. They take a lot longer for me, which is odd. I'm the bow tie guy, but I could tie one of these in like 30 seconds. A uh, bow tie, probably 10 minutes. Like I got to keep adjusting and everything. So I started wearing these to work at the office, wearing these bow ties to work. And then I would, at the first time I did it, my mentor would walk by and I said, I'll be the guy with the bow tie. And he heard me say that. I was like, oh, the guy with the bow tie, I like that. And I was like, huh. Okay. And I said it again to somebody else and it kept becoming a thing. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. And then it became, it's totally a brand. I love it. Yeah. And because uh, that was, the, to be quite honest, full transparency. That was one of the first things when I saw you online on LinkedIn, because you have quite a presence on LinkedIn, that uh, I got attracted to. I was like, who's this bull tie guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> couldn't, think of your, couldn't think of your name. I'm like, what's his name again? I was like, oh, oh, that happens too. I would, uh, people would walk into my clients' businesses. And they would say, yeah, somebody came by here looking for you. I couldn't remember your name. I said, some guy with the bow tie helped me with my shirt. <laughs> and even my clients were doing it before they even knew they were doing it. They would just describe it to other agents because Affleck's a big part of my business and other Affleck agents will walk in. Mm-hmm. And the receptionist is like, I don't know some guy with the bow tie. I don't know his mm-hmm. name, some guy with the bow tie. So that mm-hmm. happens quite frequently where I'll walk into a networking event and somebody will say, ooh, I know you. Like, you're that guy with, guy the, with bow the bow tie. tie. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. It's so weird. And my, my wife's probably annoyed by it by now. She's probably aggravated that it happens. But um, it's just a total accident. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. I think, I, and that's why I have to ask you, because to me, it's, it's a part of your brand and it's, it's awesome. I love it. It's very, very catchy and it's very interesting, very unique. Okay. So business, business with benefits. And I'm even just trying to understand that better. You know, where did that come from as Mr. CEO? 
Yeah, so basically I do employee benefits is a big part of my business. So kind of a play on words is that benefits are a part a big part of business, but business is other benefits besides money. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. People always think of business is about just making money all the time. And that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But being on LinkedIn in the, in the last probably two years, I've seen like a great evolution for myself personally, the people I meet in the business world mm-hmm. has affected me greatly as a person. So that's another part of business that I interview people that are not insurance people typically. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I interviewed you, like I interviewed several people that have nothing to do with my business, but I think it's a big, I said business that they do that's intelligent and affecting the world. It has an impact. So I've interviewed a woman that's the chef. She's a sexy chef in Arizona because mm-hmm. her personal branding. I said, man, nobody's on LinkedIn doing this. And she just does laundry, cooking food. And she's like, I'm a really good cook. It's just, I was a model. Mm-hmm. So I tied the two together or interviewed somebody, you know, mental health advocates or, um, Nick Nelson, the brandpreneur, like mm-hmm. I've interviewed people that have nothing to do with what mm-hmm. I do, but it can impact another business mm-hmm. and as benefits the business besides the dollar signs you see. And I love that. I love how you've taken that little, you know, sort of that initial scope and have made it so broad because even I was like, well, he sounds like he's an insurance guy, but he has this <laughs> podcast that is, you know, has that really touches on so many different topics and so yeah do your thing man do your thing. Yeah, nobody wants to hear insurance all day anyway it's no, like, you're, you're blowing up in, you're blowing up the internet <laughs> <laughs> well the funny thing is that I, linkedin live for those that don't have know you have to ask for access to linkedin live yes and i'm a geek so anytime there's a new feature i'm like oh it's new i asked for it so i got it probably in june of 18 yeah, i think it was june of 18 i didn't use it i was scared to use it uh no i was just terrified like when no june of 19 i think about 19 and I was like, I don't know what to say. Nobody wants to see me live. And then uh, Shanae Moray, she runs a company in the United States called MedSnape Media, which is a marketing company. She probably has 300,000 followers on LinkedIn. And I met her partner in Atlanta for coffee one day. I said, hey, fan of the company, let's meet. So before COVID, I would meet people from LinkedIn just to say, let's be real humans. Mm-hmm. And uh, met her partner. So we became like buddies real quick. And she said, hey, come live on my platform probably in like August. And I'm like, you want me to go live on your platform? sure you got 300,000 followers I don't even know what to do with my own thing so when she had me on that gave me the bug like oh that wasn't that bad mm-hmm. I can do that and then I just been going live ever since that and just talking about everything but insurance probably if you look at the scope of my LinkedIn 10% of what I talk about is insurance it's insurance yes no yeah. I definitely noticed that and so when you went live initially did you go live with a guest or by yourself it was by myself kind of to test it at first I used yeah. to I had a my my first show was um insurance WTF Mm-hmm. now people took it as wtf that version i made insurance words to follow yeah so i would take a word like this is deductible let's talk about that this is co-insurance and i would just talk about that live right then it was um behind the bow tie that was mm-hmm. the second show that was just me talking about whatever and then lastly was when i started having guests was live local mm-hmm. i would have a person that was in georgia live with them that was like oh this is somebody i know from a networking event that lives in georgia too we're going live together so that mm-hmm. that kind of became business of benefits at that point so I'm going to take us back a bit to the insurance industry, just because mm-hmm. I also have you on here a little bit as an expert, but what opportunities would you say exist in the insurance industry, social economic disparities, and have you seen also? The biggest one's probably generational wealth and what that really means. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us think of generational wealth usually as like, get the best job and get the best investments, which is a big part of that. But a part that we miss in generational wealth is a life insurance component. That is the biggest transfer of wealth anybody will have aside from an estate, but an estate can be taxed sometimes. Um, life insurance is not taxed, at least in the U.S. it's not. Canada might be the same, but in the U.S. it's not taxed. 
So the money that one receives, if somebody has a million dollar life policy and then passes away, their beneficiary gets every penny of that tax-free. That is a huge lift of generational wealth, which has helped other families and races get ahead. If you ever want to nerd out and look up the balance sheet for a bank, if you look at Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, you will notice your balance sheet has life insurance listed as an investment or asset that is. So most of people like you and I, excuse me, look at insurance as a bill. It's an expense. If you look at the balance sheet for a bank, you will see life insurance as an asset because they realize that some policies have cash value that you can use while you're alive, tax-free. So imagine the bank. I can borrow against myself tax-free. That's what life insurance can do for you when you have a permanent policy. But when the person passes away, that cash goes to that next generation tax-free. So they got the 20%, 30%, 40% extra money that they would have lost if they made that million dollars through a job. 40% or so of it, let's say, will be lost to Uncle Sam versus a life policy, 100% yours. So that is the the advance that people have. And even my father, we talked about it when my mom passed, he didn't believe in life insurance. Mm -hmm. He said he was in the military. Somebody pitched him life insurance when he was in his 20s and he said it was a gamble. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is just a gamble. There's no point to it. And I was like, well, hold on, dad. Everybody passes away. Mm -hmm. So it's really the most guaranteed thing is life insurance. Like, it's the only thing you're guaranteed to get paid on. You wouldn't get paid, but your next generation does. Mm -hmm. But the elevation in teaching him was that there are policies that generate cash as you pay for them and you get the money out tax-free. So if you follow the story of Disney, McDonald's, JCPenney's, they got started by life insurance. Their parents got them cash value life policies when they were younger. And when the banks didn't believe in their business, they said, forget you guys. I'm going to okay. borrow against my life policy and use my own cash. And you might have to pay a nominal flat percent interest fee, like 5% or something, which is peanuts compared to that there's no taxes on it. And you just keep paying the premium and it goes back to it. So that's the biggest socioeconomic gap is that most lower income or lower educated classes think of life insurance as an expense, but they don't realize the power it has to make their next generation get ahead. And also if they get sick with cancer or a heart attack or something bad, God forbid, they can borrow against their life policy where they're living tax-free and use that to get back whole or to pay off the mortgage or whatever they need to do. That's their money. They don't have to ask for a reason versus the bank. You have to go ask them, Hey guys, I need a $10,000 personal loan. Why do you need it? I just need it. Your life policy, you don't have to ask that. You just say, hey, uh, AIG, I need five grand. Okay, it's your policy. You can do what you want with it. But that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing I see we don't know about. Wow, that's, I didn't even know about that. So I, I'm getting educated in a whole different <laughs> way. I mean, I, again, you are in the U.S. I'm in Canada. I mean, I'd have to go and fact check some of this stuff, you know, to see right, for know, Canada, if, yeah. if there are some different laws in Canada. But I mean, even just, you know, just to the American listeners, I mean, I, I, that's, that's extreme. Wow, that's extremely empowering. Well, the so, crazy thing about that too, when you say empowered, I've been doing seven years in the insurance industry. I didn't know this probably till three years in. So I'm in the like insurance learn, and, and you were learning this as you went Yes, on. I didn't know this immediately. This is not, you know, this is not like when you hear about doctors don't get taught nutrition. It's the same thing for this part of insurance. This isn't taught. You take your test. There's a brief section that skims mm -hmm. over it. And then depending on what you get exposed to in the insurance world, you won't know it. So you can know an insurance agent that's been around 20 years and they don't know that mm -hmm. because they never got exposed to that. Just like mm -hmm. a general doctor doesn't know surgery. Mm -hmm. So three years and I started, and I'm, I'm a geek. So I read a lot of books and articles and all that. I'm like, huh, what's this infinite banking concept mm -hmm. or being your own bank or mm -hmm. tax-free retirement? I started reading these books. I'm like, wait a minute, mm -hmm. this is something that I didn't know as an insurance person. So I can only mm -hmm. imagine the average consumer has never even been a partly exposed to this. So that's why right. I'm so passionate about like, did you know 
you can use retirement income out of life insurance tax free. Mm-hmm. I say that frequently to people. Go ahead. So no, I was going to say, so not even having that knowledge then, how does insurance amplify um, like this insurance knowledge, right? Not having it almost, it's almost as if it's amplifies socioeconomic disparities because some people would just not even know what questions to ask. Well, it's amplified because if you're in that class of people, they talk about it. So yeah. if you talk to a billionaire, they know hands down, I got a bunch of life policies. You go to anybody that's wealthy, they know about this very well. So it's kind of like I'm pulling the curtain back on the wealthy side mm-hmm. because if you look at, I think it was the University of Michigan, there was a coach that asked for a permanent life policy for, for his um, compensation package, uh, like a $7 million life insurance policy for his compensation. Now, usually coaches ask for like 401ks or something like that. He asked for a cash value life policy, and they didn't disclose how much it was, but they said it's in the millions of dollars. And the average consumer is like, okay, cool. But everybody else that's in that space is like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're, you're basically building up something for legacy, and you want to use it when you retire tax-free. But only he knew that because maybe his dad taught him that. Maybe his dad said, hey, if you get a big deal from somebody, don't ask for a 401k, mm-hmm. ask for a life policy that has cash value because your mm-hmm. kids can benefit from it. And the crazy thing about it, for anything that you invest into, mm-hmm. when you pass away, and we'll say almost anything, when you pass away, the next generation gets taxed on that when it's passed over. Mm-hmm. If it's like a stock or a 401k or a home, it's going to get taxed. Mm-hmm. This gentleman, that's the coach, is like, I'm coaching this million-dollar contract for a football team but I want to make sure my kids are taken care of as well and me. So it's just certain people know about it because when you mentioned socioeconomic, their class of people yeah. has been taught, get it as cheap as you can, as early as you can. Yeah. Where we're taught, oh, don't get life insurance till you're 60 mm-hmm. when it's the most expensive and you can't build any cash value. Right. So it's very clear the difference in education. I have family ask me now in their 60s, they all want a life policy. Mm-hmm. They should ask me when you're like 40 or 30, which mm-hmm. ideally, but we don't get taught that. I didn't get taught that. But that's why I spend a lot of time talking about, please, guys, just understand the reason we have this gap. Uh, anybody else can say what they want about, you know, wealth preservation and uh, building, filling the wealth gap. The easiest way is life insurance, because yeah. it's just at the, the drop of a dime, here's the check. So someone's got a million dollar policy, you pass away, boom, Billy, you got a million dollars, tax free. Mm-hmm. So in our community, black community, let me be very specific. I mean, you know, our biggest gain will come from being able to create generational wealth. Right. So how do you have, what, you know, what do your conversations look like with people from, you know, that community that may be already struggling just to pay bills and put food on the table, um, but you recognize the value of educating them on insurance, you know, how do you have that conversation and get them to even realize that there's got to be some type of investment there? Well, part of that different conversation, when you say putting food on the table and everything, there's somebody there that matters to them Mm -hmm. in that situation. So the full disclosure, I'm not going to convert the person that's like 19, partying all the time, clubbing. That's not my audience. Like, you know what? You got to live life a little more. Come back to me later. But the person that's like, hey, keep food on the table, keep these kids happy. It doesn't cost much to at least get a term policy Mm -hmm. just to say, hey, if something happens to you, because let's face it, COVID-19 is killing more black people than anybody else. Um, racial injustice is killing racial things. It's for black people. So we die more unexpectedly than other cultures. So it's almost like a must have in the black culture. Like, Hey, you can go to 7-Eleven or go to a grocery store and get shot for some stupid reason, or you can get COVID-19 and die because they don't take you serious. You're dying in childbirth. There's so many more reasons black people die that it's like a must have. So when they're saying put food on the table, say, okay, you're taking care of somebody for less than a cell phone plan costs you a month. You can get something less than a cell phone bill, just to get yeah. something to say, mm-hmm. if something happens to you, that child you're trying to make sure is taken care of will be taken care of in your absence. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take a whole lot. It's just people think 
when they look at life insurance, those can be super expensive. Now, when the cash value accumulation thing comes up, that can be pricier. Mm -hmm. But I'll talk to people about that. Like, we're not going to do $1,000 a month of life insurance. That's not your game. Let's figure out what's comfortable that you could do and see if it makes sense. Because certain situations, dumping a bunch of money into a cash value life policy might not work. Mm -hmm. If you're too old, it might not work. If your health isn't that great, it might not work. If you can't afford to do it for a certain amount of time, it might not work. So it all depends. But at least the term policy option is just to say, while you're here, you're taking care of somebody. And if you leave early, I saw a picture that said something about they kill our fathers that make fun of us for not having one. The little little black kid holding up a cardboard post for saying that. So kill our fathers and make fun of us for not having one. That child is in a different situation that he can't have that same upbringing because his father's not there. If there's money there to help, that might make it better. So he grows up in a better situation. So they have someone yeah. to help them or travel, whatever it is. So that little tiny thing, that's the easiest way for the low income or having a hard time struggling. Because a lot of my clientele is daycares, restaurant employees, you know, the hourly worker. Um, and they get my policy to say, hey, I can afford this. It's 20 bucks a month. I can afford that. So it's just the misconception is the big thing for those people that are struggling. They mm -hmm. think they can't afford it, but it's really just one less trip to McDonald's or yes. one less. So getting them to time. understand. So it's getting them to understand the importance and the payoff. Basically, yeah, and yeah. it's this the breakdown of what it costs, not to make yeah. like this big scary yes. thing. Right. And so you talked about you're not trying to you're not trying to convert the 19 year old partying, but what age would you say ideally um, people should start investing? It's more of a mindset thing to me. So, I mean, the young ones, I have young people that reach out to me all the time. They're young. They have that mindset. So mm -hmm. that's more the thing. Like, I'm not a big mindset battle for that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, as far as age, the youngest as possible, a really awesome strategy that people can do is let's say they have a 18-year-old child and mm -hmm. the parent is 45. The parent can say, I'm going to put a cash value life policy on my 18-year-old because no parents buy life insurance for a child thinking they're going to die. And that's one thing people of color had to think differently because our Caucasian counterparts do it when they're born. So like, here's a life policy. They're never doing a thing. Hey, my kid's going to die next week. They're buying it because they know that that's the cheapest it's ever going to be. And it's going to build cash value over time. So that way, when they're 18 or 20 or whatever they want to do, they can use that cash value to start a business or to have a gap year, go travel to Europe, whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. So a great strategy, if somebody's like they're 45 or whatever, and they're in a good income level, they can say, hey, 18-year-old, I'm going to buy a life policy on you that's going to generate cash value for the next 10 years. At the end of that 10-year period, if you want to start a business to use that policy to do it, don't go to the bank. If you want to buy a home, use this policy, don't go to the bank. And what I will do to protect that is I will insure myself for 10 years to say, if I die prematurely, the money that comes from my life policy pays off your policy. Wow. And it's awesome. kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. It's a great strategy mm -hmm. that kind of leverages both. And it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. And this is something that our people have not known. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about this till a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Again, dad was in the military. Nobody in my family's in financial services. I'm the first one in my family to do financial services. So none of us know this. So to think mm -hmm. about that idea, that's many families have that same story. Mm -hmm. But this is a way to kind of plan ahead. That's the easy one for the younger generation mm -hmm. to say, hey, cover yourself as cheap as possible. Mm -hmm. And in 10, 20 years, you can say, you know what? I'm done work and I want to retire. Mm -hmm. Use your life policy for that. You can pull money at the policy for for life. And the crazy thing about this too, if the person dies, you're basically borrowing against your policy. This is the weird thing. You're borrowing against your policy. If you die before that debt's paid, that's fine. Nobody owes it back. The heirs don't owe it back. You don't, you're not there anymore, obviously, but the money you borrowed against it, life insurance is set up for stop losses. So they're saying, Oh, I guess we don't get it back. Okay. So they could have borrowed it till they're deep in the hole. They got to borrow what they actually have, but if they keep going down, die prematurely. Okay. 
the insurance company's fine with that, which is crazy to think about that, but they have so much cash reserves that they're okay for that. Wow. And, and as you have spent, how many years now have you been in the insurance? Seven industry? years now. Seven years now. What sort of reforms, if any, would you like to see evolve in the insurance industry? Um, I wouldn't say reforms, more so education. Um, okay. I think the industry works pretty well for the most part for is, you know, buying policies and all that. I would say education, maybe just something more on the agent side. When you think insurance agent, the first thing you think to mind is probably sleazy, um, shysty, the trickster or something like that. Maybe because, in the maybe in the US. <laughs> yeah, and he, well, because movies, yeah. movies yeah. kind of put his bad light yeah, on the right. Yeah. Movies door-to-door right. door sales guy yes, selling that's, life insurance. Yeah. They're hanging at the funeral saying, hey, you just died. You need to get I, on. Yeah. I don't think those people exist anymore. Oh, they, they, well, they, they're aging out, but that's the thing about it. It's like car salesmen go through the same thing. That like car salesmen, you have Carvana, it's going to change yeah. the idea of that. But mm-hmm. that's what I'd probably like to see is that more ethical and educational kind of mm-hmm. agents. Because mm-hmm. when you look at my LinkedIn, like I'm not just pitching buy, buy, buy all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll drop a little bit of information here and there and people say, hey, I want to ask about this. Mm-hmm. But um, education needs to be more out there because, you know, financial education, people have been saying this for years, needs to be in the school system. Mm-hmm. You should not learn about your first bank account when you go to college, your first credit card when you go to college. So insurance should be the same thing. You should know. I can't tell you how many times I've asked a grown adult that's 45, what's your deductible for their health insurance? And they'll say 20 bucks. And like, there's no way your deductible is $20. That's your copay. Oh, I didn't know what that meant. Mm. Well, 500. No, that's your premium. Like I can hear the numbers and know you're, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's just culturally, at least in the U S we don't get taught these things until we get a job. And what they say is here's your benefits booklet, figure it out. Mm. And nobody helps them. So that would be my big reform is that some kind of more education. Yeah. There's more education in the school system and even this in the workforce. Like you got to teach these people what this means if you're going to provide it to them. And I also think it's, I think beyond that it's bringing them the, in, the education that you know if you didn't, they wouldn't get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you could just educate them on some of the most basic things. But I always say, what are the things that, we, that are being done in those big important rooms that we need to know about so we can advance ourselves? That's what I want to see more of us educated about. Well, yeah, because then you make better decisions if you know those yeah. things that are happening in the rooms. I mean, case in point, the banks. If banks have life insurance that are assets, why don't we have that? Yeah. Because they go into their boardroom and they say, hey, guys, found this loophole here. And it's definitely something that was designed on purpose. They purposely designed this in the United States Constitution a long time ago to have tax-free income come from life insurance. Because they knew the wealthy and the affluent could have access to that. And it's something that the average person wouldn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Now, with the advent of the Internet, you can find this. But mm-hmm. at the same time, as you look it up, there are naysayers on both sides. You'll see mm-hmm. some people say, oh, that's horrible. You shouldn't do that. That's, that doesn't work. Just invest in the stock market. Mm-hmm. I venture to say anybody that tells you to only do investments probably has a bank affiliation, mm-hmm. like they get paid by a bank, they're a financial advisor, because think about it, a financial advisor benefits from you having more um, assets under management, not life policies. But if the banks themselves have life policies, they're pitching both sides, right? They're pitching you to buy stocks and bonds and 401ks and all that. But they're also saying get life insurance, but they're pushing this side more because the life insurance money, they can spend out seven times. They can get that policy and say, you know what, this policy is paid for, but we can get some better interest on something else. So let's lend this money out to this checking account, the savings account. We can do that 10 million times because we know we have this very low, no tax situation on life insurance. <laughs> Incredible. It's weird system, but yeah, people don't know about it. And I, I hate that. If you, if you look it up now, even YouTube, tax-free retirement or infinite banking, you will see people that love it and people that hate it. 
And if you dig deeper into people that hate it, we're in this fake news world right now. Mm-hmm. Usually the people that hate it are pushing something else that benefits them more versus the end user benefits a lot more from tax-free retirement from life insurance because it was designed mm-hmm. to do that. But mm-hmm. people don't know about it though. Yeah. What I see about you and even just evident through just clearly very knowledgeable, clearly a passion to help people really understand this at its, you know, the most grassroots of level um, is, is it inspires you. I think it, it, it helps you bring your best self out. But, uh, but if I've got that wrong, how would you articulate the things in this world that you do that, you know, inspire you and help you sort of present your best self? Um, you, you know, you know, the, you know, the hammer, the, the nail on the head with that one um, is definitely important to me because an interesting story for me, my first life insurance claim was nine months into my work. So it was a, uh, I walked into a daycare that previously had the client I worked with. They had benefits already, but their agent hadn't been around in like two years. So I became the agent of record for that account. The owner wanted a life policy for her son. He was uh, 19 at the time. No, no, I'm sorry, 24. Um, he was engaged to get married. And she said, hey, I want to buy my son a life policy. He works here. I was going to get him a life policy so his wife doesn't have to worry about that when they get married because I believe in the power of life insurance. I said, great. So I, I wasn't even selling anything. She just told me she wanted it. And then um, bought a policy for him. Nine months later, he got shot wrong place, wrong time. Good kid. Worth it. He wasn't like hanging out, gangbanging, anything, nothing like that. He was just hanging out with some friends. Somebody got into some altercation. He was the victim. And it was on First 48, which in the U.S. is a show about um, homicides in the first 48 hours that they get solved. So full bad scenario, but that one conversation I had that I didn't push, she asked me for it. That changed me. I'm like, man, that one conversation I had allowed her to, you know, bury her son, which nobody wants to do that, but to bury her son in peace. And I had to worry about who's going to pay for this. Mm. How is he taken care of? Can I do the funeral I want to do to honor his legacy? Mm. Can I help his wife? Mm. All of that was done. It was already taken care of because of one conversation. So to me, conversations are important, things like that, because it's a hard conversation. Don't get me wrong. Talking about death is yeah. not fun. I know, that's easy. like I'm going through that now with an older parent. Yeah, yeah I, it was the hardest thing talking to my dad about that, because literally right before this happened, I think probably, you know, it was August 1st, my mom passed, it was probably like April. I said, hey, we should maybe talk about life insurance. Again, this is a life insurance agent. I'm like, hey, do you guys have anything? I'm like, oh, we're good. That was, that was the best I can get out of my dad because he's a military guy, kind of commandeering. So I'm like, all right, good. And I knew he had retirement, so I know financially he's okay. But it was still hard for me to bring it to my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hey, do you guys have something? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. think about you dying, but it's like, I kind of have to. Yeah. So it's hard, but conversations are impactful to me, even with people I train, knowing that one person I met and trained and mentored them, and now they're like in a whole different lifestyle and their family's in a different mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. That's what kind of inspires me knowing that one little thing I cannot even know is making an impact on somebody actually does years later, days later, minutes later. That's important to me is kind of an inspirational piece. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I'm going to take you right into a section, a segment I call rapid thrivers. So quick questions. Okay. Um, so when you think of someone who inspires you, who comes to mind and why? Um, easy one, probably Kevin Hart. Cause Coming from something to nothing, and he hustles all the time. Love him. Ah, oh, love that guy. What is a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? Um, podcast and LinkedIn. I listen to podcasts when I cut the grass, water the grass, whatever I'm doing outside. And LinkedIn, I'm on daily. So I, I, the good thing about that platform is always something positive on LinkedIn. Love it. What's your favorite podcast? 
uh, the One Thing podcast. I like that. Yeah, uh, I hear about that. You know, I haven't caught it on yet, but so many people talk about it. I'm going to have to check it out. I have, podcast. I subscribe. Yeah, I heard about it. I subscribe to it. So it's, I just have to yeah. Tell when you said really the domino, good. when you mentioned the domino thing, they talk about that in the book about dominoes making one massive movement in your life. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you like it. It's a good podcast. Probably okay. yeah, the One Thing podcast and the Salesman podcast. The Salesman, uh, okay. Yeah, that's, um, I can't remember his, uh, God, I can't remember his name. He's a British guy. Okay. But uh, good for sales stuff, and he's entertaining at the same time. Okay, I love that. One thing, I'm going to check that out for sure. What is a book that has helped you with your Thrive? Um, the one thing book, that's one. <laughs> there's a book, too. There's a, there's a theme here. But um, probably, i say another good one, Atomic Habits. Oh, isn't that amazing by James Clear? Oh. Yeah, that's, that's a good book. I like that yeah. book a lot. That was an amazing book. You know, a new one, if you want to get sales stuff, Alex Goldfein wrote this book, Five Minute Selling. Okay. Um, it's good for people that are busy. Like, how do I grow my business with five minutes? So you brace in a good system for five minute sales. I read a ton of sales books. So that's probably, it's hard for me to name a, few, a couple. Um, last one is um, Leadership 360. I forgot the name of the author, but that's a good leadership book. And it's been revised a few times, but it's a okay. good book on leadership. Okay. Thank you. We're going to put all of those in the show notes. What is an app in your, on your phone that helps you with your Thrive? LinkedIn. My Outlook calendar. Yeah, LinkedIn, all the time. my Outlook has all my calendars tied together. That's a big one for me. Um, I use Podcast Addict for my podcast. Okay. And um, I'm trying to think of another one I use all the time. Um, Google Keep. I keep a lot of notes in Google Keep. Oh, I never I even heard about that. That's one of the, yeah. okay. it's, there, it's the Google app. So you use an, yeah. you have an Android phone. Yes, I okay. used to use Evernote, okay. but Evernote gets, I get too complicated with it because there's so many hacks and things yeah. you can do with Evernote. It's, I geek out too much. It's, so too, I can make it's, a, just, it's just too much. Yeah, I, I'll end up spending more time learning how to make a, a great workbook than actually using the workbook. Yeah. So, yeah. Google Keep, I write it, put a tag, I'm done. Put yeah, tag that's it. like me. <laughs> Scripts, work, I just tag it, I'm done. That's the one for me. That's like me, I use the basic Apple Notes. It's so easy. And yeah. what, is, what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you thriving, inspiring on LinkedIn and, and doing your thing? That is easy. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. that is easy. Um, I'll credit my friend Nate Nelson. I, was, I called him after my mom passed. Like, hey man, I know you just went through this. I need to talk to somebody just to mm-hmm. be fully transparent. And he's like, man, you make it look easy wearing a bow tie and smiling and all that. But I know it's not easy. It's hard. You want to quit yeah. most of the time. And um, it was good to have somebody I could reach out to in a professional space that also looks like he's doing very well. Yeah, that's and the brand be, printer? Yeah. yeah. We had a good like hour-long conversation with Buchanan. Like, man, I need someone to talk to about this because you're the only one I know that just went through this. And I reached out to him when his mom passed just to say, mm-hmm. hey. Because basically people gave him flat for how he mourned. Said, hey, you, are you, why are you happy so fast? And mm-hmm. it was kind of like, mourn how you, you mourn. If you want to mm-hmm. celebrate, if you want to party that's up to you do what you need mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. so he received that well so i said hey man i gotta talk because this is hurting me real bad mm-hmm. and he's like man just be a big baby whatever you got to do to be you but it's hard you know being an entrepreneur and people seeing the social media think oh you got twenty thousand followers you're killing it mm-hmm. it takes work it's not mm-hmm. easy and it's not overnight it's been mm-hmm. years people laughing at you got one like on that post you got two likes on that mm-hmm. and it was always like a joke for a long time and now they kind of see that oh but it's not easy to do that day in, day out, every single day, that consistency, that's hard. And that's the mm-hmm. biggest misconception that I have it all together mm-hmm. and that it's easy. It is not easy, people. It takes work. And anybody that tells you it doesn't take work is lying to you and selling mm-hmm. you snake oil. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, right? People see you where you're at and never see the journey that got you there, right? Yes. So, yeah. So um, where can we find you online? LinkedIn's the main place for me. I mean, I, I, I joke around the idea about making a website, but I will not get the traction I get on my LinkedIn on a website. So <laughs> LinkedIn is my home. 
Um, podcast, like you said, Business of Benefits is on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, all the different things. I'm behind. I've probably done 100 LinkedIn Lives and only have like 12 episodes of my podcast up. So I need a team like you to help me because <laughs> I have hours of content. I'm so behind on putting in my podcast. So yeah, that's well, my biggest issue. Well, this is what I say. Just pray on it. God will send you some amazing angels your way. That's, that's exactly how my team got built. So because you said you're a rapper and because I said I wanted to give you like, even, can, you, can you drop like, like freestyle? Sure. Um, okay. You sure you call your health, your house. Oh, no, no, home. I'm going to give you a topic. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my last question, I want you to wrap this out, right? So 30 okay. seconds about, and then, uh, and then after I'll fully close. So uh, what does it mean to be empowered in my skin? Okay. Got it. So I'm empowered in my skill and check it out. I got the melanin. Everything I do is repetitive and accelerating. Accelerating, I don't know how to say that. Hit me on the microphone, man, I don't play that. Real for real, the deals are chill, I still now. Nah. I keep it on the up and up, never doing that. D coming through, man, I'm about to ruin that. You want to be the best, go come and prove that. <laughs> I love that, just like that, eh? Just like that, just like that. I love that, empowered in my skin. You are definitely, and thank you so much for bringing your expert knowledge on the insurance industry. I might have to bring you back and have like, even if I could bring someone from Canada and US and have you guys have a really joint conversation so we can hear both sides of, yeah. of the border. That'd be pretty cool. I kind of was thinking, it was inspiring that when we were talking, but uh, I just wanna, I do, I thank you. I thank you for sharing energy with me. I thank you for dropping knowledge today. I thank you for all that you do. I thank Thank you for a desire to just educate people and to help them make informed decisions so that they can be truly empowered. And uh, it's been awesome. Like your energy is on, am I allowed to say on fleek or is that aging me? I don't know if that's a thing anymore. It's not a fleek. Okay, so we're not fleeking it. So your energy's on, your energy's on fire. I love it. I don't it. even know. I don't use Instagram. <laughs> I don't know if that's on, it might be an Instagram. I, I don't even know. But I just say energy is, it's real. It's awesome. And I'm so blessed to have been connected to you. And I thank you for saying yes to being on the podcast. Well, I'll say your energy is great because you're the first one to get me rap on a show because I do my videos and I stuff. You see my, I did like a mask mask on. So I'll make songs and I'll post them on LinkedIn. But you're the first to ask me and actually get me to do it. So Yeah, I love it. I was like, I'm going to ask you a final question. You might as well just wrap this out. I love it. So yeah. with that, I thank you so much, Daryl. And to everyone that is listening to this episode, I Trust you truly enjoyed it and feel more empowered. So this is where I say, we're out. <laughs> so there you have it. I hope you're thriving and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you are listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Billy says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome hanging with you. I'm your girl. And 